Hello everyone, welcome to the Think with ABD podcast, a podcast about almost anything at the intersection of analytics, digital, and design. I'm your host today, Michelle. With nearly 20% of unemployment rate in the United States and nearly 2 million Canadians lost jobs during COVID-19, I could not imagine how difficult and devastating for some of the workers who recently lost their jobs, but still in need of uh, legal advice. When we think about legal services, some of us might associate that with being expensive or inaccessible. At the beginning of this month, uh, there was one particular project called our attention. There is an open access tool called My Open Court that is powered by artificial intelligence, offering basic legal advice such as determining the termination, compensation fairness, or access whether the worker is considered as employee or independent contractor. So today, I have invited the creator of the tool, our daughter Samuel Dehan from uh, Conflict Analytics Lab at Queen's University. So Dr. Dehan is a lawyer, assistant professor, and Queen's national scholar, and cross-appoint to the Smith Business School and Cornell University Law School. Hi, Michelle. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation. So yeah, I'm Samuel Dehan. I am a lawyer and a law professor, and my interest is in uh, data-driven conflict resolution. So the idea behind that is to build uh, systems, technologies that helps uh, negotiators, lawyers, to find a way to negotiate uh, with more efficient uh, strategy. Okay, interesting. Maybe speak more about, I guess, my open core. What does it do and what inspired you to create such a, a service like that? So my open core is, is mainly inspired by uh, one observation. So the most people, so I'm talking about probably 80% of the population and most companies, small companies as well, will probably will never have access to legal services because it's outrageously expensive. We're talking about areas of laws that are not super complex, but fairly complex. So you need to hire a lawyer. And the problem is that with these issues, we're talking about the example of wrongful termination. Your, your employees decide that you know they don't want to work with you, but you're sure you think it's not so fair. So you want to go to court. It's going to cost you about maybe twenty to $30,000. Do you want to spend that kind of money? Probably not so much. And even if you want to spend that kind of money, even if you win, it's very likely the legal fees will be higher than what you actually earn. So what's the point? I mean, no point. So we realize maybe if there's a way to at least let people know whether they have a case and whether we can find a model, a business model that is sufficiently attractive for the lawyers, the mediators, or anybody else that is plugged into my open core, that could be an interesting uh, experiment. First tool is, um, is a classifier. It helps users to determine whether they are an independent contractor or an employee. So it's a big debate. I mean, a lot of companies are listing uh, their workers as contract and they should be classified as employee. And if they are classified as employees, they have a lot of rights that come with this title, like minimum wage, vacation pay, and so on. So the second tool is, is a termination compensation calculator. So there's a few, I mean, tools out there, but we wanted to, we want to experiment different uh, models. So, so first our tool is based on, on natural language processing uh, models and, we're able at least to give basic information to the users, like whether they should be and they're entitled to, to get uh, compensation, whether their layoff is illegal, whether there is a dismissal for cause, things that are obvious for lawyers, I mean, things then, but, but not so obvious for the average. And in case, and that's true for both tools, in case the system says, you know what, you are in uh, action an employee, or you know what, you didn't 
offer any kind of severance, any kind of compensation, you're owed X amount of money, X amount of dollars, and uh, hire a lawyer at no cost. So the, the lawyers will have committed to an in, um, initial consultation uh, for free. And then if the if they think it's the, the case has merit, they can take the case to court, they can send a demand letter, they can settle, and eventually, I mean, they can negotiate in a, a contingency arrangement with the client. So contingency is basically the lawyer get the lawyer gets paid only if he wins the guilt contest. Absolutely, I, I actually played around with the tool and I I try to figure out how much would I get paid if I being <laughs> laid off, and I can see oh my god, there's a wide ranges, right? And then yeah. I think this is really something like information um, empowering tool yeah. to kind of incentivize people to like and, you know ask more questions. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a big part on awareness of uh, just making yeah. sure you understand your right. Right, as yep. a basic citizen. So I, I think from that perspective, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, we're just a bunch of researchers. If you see the, the, the team of, uh, of the conflict analytics, it's just a, a bunch of geeks, you know, that are interested in writing papers. And then we realized that, you know, we reached out to a couple of gov- public institutions or even, you know, tech companies, they're all law firms, and it seemed to be interested in building that system. So we're not trying really to reinvent the wheel here. We're really trying to, to provide a, a democratization of justice component. Right? So there's a second component, which is also making the life of the lawyers a little bit less painful. And I think that, in, and some kind of a screening process for the lawyers. And on the other hand, I mean, the people who are in the industry who are doing already a very good job what they do, and maybe that can help them to select I and mean, work with the right cases. I want to maybe start with asking you uh, some questions about like legal analytics. And I yeah. think to someone who is maybe outside of a few, it still sounds pretty foreign. So help us understand what legal analytics uh, does and maybe yeah. there are different type of legal analytics today. Look at it in the way that conflict analytics is a method or process of resolving disputes with a data-driven tools. By data-driven tools, we're talking about also negotiation data, mediation data. And why we emphasize, we, dis- we decided to call the lab conflict analytics and not legal analytics lab is because we want to target uh, legal data, so past cases, in order to make an informed decision about a hypothetical cases that would be similar to past data. But also we wanted to call it conflict analytics because we think that in many areas, at least the area of interest of the lab, like customer disputes, employment disputes, uh, trademark, personal injuries, these areas are uh, 90% of the time they're resolved through negotiation. So for us, just making predictions or more like making a data-driven decision which is what lawyers have done I mean, since the creation of That's the true. concept of a case law. You find a right precedent, make a case, and make an argument and say, you know, actually this case is very close, so maybe we should apply the same solution. So it's just pretty much, I mean, data analytics is just doing what lawyers have done like over the last I mean, centuries, but now we're using better methods and better technology to process huge amount of data and to extract the right precedent more quickly than we used to do this. So I guess it's more around presidential behavioral analysis and right. I guess like how to get the data, there's a different separate set of questions, but assume we have that and then we can kind of combine the knowledge and expertise across different lawyers, especially in negotiation and dispute resolution. So in order to help get the judge, I mean, the Supreme Court said in, in the 60s, you're going to take into consideration the age, uh, 
character model, so the, the, the position of the employee, the length of service, and availability of, other, uh, of employment. So maybe, so these variables are very objective. When you think. What is not objective is how judges apply these criteria and what weight each criteria is received and how this translated to an actual number. And we cannot find really a real like, consistent pattern. There is some kind of a pattern. But to come up with like the exact number, impossible. Because judges have discretion, and it's great to have discretion. Data analytics will help us at least to identify, for example, in our system now, what happens is once the lawyer, uh, once the user press the button, very good at that is finding exactly similar cases. But the problem is that for an employee that is 40 years old, he is a manager, he works the same companies, you, we find three cases. And they all come up with different outcomes. So then that's just going to be up to the lawyer to find a compromise. So there's always going to be, especially in common law systems like Canada, uh, whereas in Europe, it's a little bit more like driven by civil code. It's a little bit more scientific. But here, there's always going to be a lot of discussion, I mean, given to the judge. And I think it's great. I think, um, you know, based on a lot of people understanding of law, and maybe you're just going to go deeper of the whatever things you were talking about. A lot of people might think, oh, law is law. Law is highly rule-based, right? But in reality, there's a lot of things open for interpretation. And analytics, on the other hand, and I think is very much like probabilistic. And we recognize patterns and basically use a pattern to determine whether it is a highly probable case or not. So how do you see these two being connected and this two? I think that was true for very simplistic statistical method. Data science has now techniques that can grasp more nuances. And the idea, even if it's probabilistic, is just a suggestion. The idea is as long as we don't believe this is the ultimate truth and the judge have to follow that probability of that suggestion, that prediction, I think we're still, it can still be helpful. I mean, the idea is just to make sure that we're not understanding this as some kind of a universal truth. Yeah, absolutely. How do we think of using uh, algorithm power uh, predictive analytics to strengthen the justice systems in North America. And I know you ha also have a lot of experience in, across the globe, and, and I think you will also serve the European Commission. So maybe yeah. you can uh, share with us um, on your view, not only in, in North America. Yeah. So I think the problem in North America is very similar to the problem in Europe. And I think it comes back to the first observation that led us to build my open port. And the first observation is that there is no real... Uh, universal minimum legal uh, minimum legal service that like the same way where we think it's very obvious that there's a minimum wage so and I feel like with and why why is that I mean I think the main reason is that because we tend to think you know or maybe this is a cliche but we tend to think like, lawyers are very expensive they just like to make a lot of money and it's a guilt law is is a tedious task just in a simple legal question and I'm talking really specifically about simple legal question but that are what we call fact-driven. There's the facts is always like pain of the of the legal question. Obviously, if we spend a lot of hours, if these like that re that kind of research is is tedious and therefore expensive, obviously the cost will be higher for the consumer. So with that analytics and other techniques, but with basic regression analysis, I mean we can help lawyers to identify like to be more efficient in their research. We're in the business of finding a way to bring down that knowledge or that prediction or that probability or that, you know, suggested prediction to, to the Canadian individual or the Canadian small companies or even like American companies who, to, uh, to get an idea of like, when really a sense whether they should, you know, it's worth it to go to court. 
And I think that's where data science, in my opinion, will really improve the, the North American or the European justice system. Once we will be able to democratize that technology or that kind of research for everyone and make sure that everyone, if they have a legal question, at least the very least they should do is like, is there a case or no? Just, just a very simple question. And it's a binary question. It's a very simple classification task for data scientists. Next question is definitely on the placement of lawyers. And I think a lot of people are talking about like, now we have a robot advisor for financial services. And it'd be possible to have like robot lawyers. What do you think about that? Right now, AI systems have very limited um, uh, ability to understand what we call counterfactual reasoning. So just basically causation, computers are not very good at that. And law is all about causation. If we think that we're gonna create a robot lawyer, maybe AI has to be a little bit stronger in terms of you know, understanding causation. So that's, that's uh, uh, one thing. However, I mean, I think that would be very interesting from our, for our purely theoretical research We've gathered a lot of legal text. I mean, improve the ability of our AI to understand basic legal concepts. Uh, what do you think would be the most interesting part for you? Something you really, really want to see in either conflict analytics or legal analytics in the future? We're really looking at, at making a very specific data-driven negotiation system or predictive negotiation system for a specific industry partner. That would be really amazing. A potential industry partners like the banking sector, the hospitality industry, or the airline companies that are dealing with millions and millions of complaints. I think what we would like to do is help them to build a, a MyPrint Court system for them. So if we're looking at only our area of building and um, you know customer disputes model, I think there is a lot of data. The problem is that we don't have access to that data, and I think the companies are probably don't have the resources and they don't think they need it right now to look at that data carefully, to clean that data and to annotate that data. For many companies, uh, when there's a dispute with the, cost, with, the consumer, with the customer, he's lost. And a company that makes an effort to resolve disputes efficiently, I think it can, can make the customer, I mean, even more loyal than he was before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You actually raise a really good point of changing the perspective, right? Maybe back in the day, you're looking at customer complaint and dispute as something negative, as something curly yeah. bottom line. But if you have uh, invested enough effort into it, maybe inviting a team like yourself, change the environment to be like, hey, this is a great opportunity for a company to actually generate additional revenue. Like if we're able to look at that data and look at, look at the data, there must be some successful precedents where companies have been able to resolve a bunch of disputes successfully and we can learn from that we as as industry or as you know as 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 a company can learn from their past success as much as their past mistake a little bit like how lawyers mm -hmm. learn i mean we know right. that a case law i mean if you're there's a you lose a case is because there's something off with your legal with your situation it would be very interesting to look at the, the very specific subcomponent of dispute resolution, which is probably sure. a little bit more complex, but there is there's a lot of room improvement there. For sure, I would say if you give me, and again, it's, it's an intuition based on my dis discussion with potential industry partners. So it seems that the banking sector, at least the banking sector in Canada, I mean, like they're very interested. I mean, they've been using AI for a lot of like mm -hmm. projects. I mean, a lot of tasks in the last years. So mortgage approval, uh, credit card fraud um, detection. So, so 
I think, and also now they are investing in a lot of projects and like ethical AI, they're trying to make uh, um, their decision, automated decision-making processes a little bit more explainable. So I feel like this is an industry that probably may be more open to that kind of mm-hmm. uh, research. And, uh, and especially, I mean, they probably have a lot of customer complaints every day. They already have a very good customer complaint system. You send a complaint, someone responds to you, but it's very much, I would call it in French, we have this word that I cannot read. It's very artisanal. It's like the work of a, a craftsman. I yes, mean, it's very much like intuitive. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know, yeah, let me think. You're a nice guy. I'm just going to find it. But it's not based. I mean, I don't think anybody in the customer service mm-hmm. department has a list of past cases. Yes. So I think that would be an area where I think that's the, the dream research project for the lab. <laughs> For sure. I, I love your analogy of a craftsmanship of, a, you know, in law, because it is, right? It seems like you have followed a structural ingredient portion, but then at the end, it's still a matter of someone's you know, magical hand and touching it and shaping it. So I think yeah. it makes perfect sense to think about the two things at the same time. Well, uh, thank you very much for your help. And I think I personally learned tons from this conversation and aligned with you in terms of a lot of points of, you know, are we really in a position of uh, uh, maybe raising awareness, um, you know, encouraging a, a positive change that encourage other uh, industrial participants to share data, building a better research um, capability for, for the many generation to come. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. I very much enjoyed the discussion. Thank you so much, Michelle. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Comments, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast do not constitute as business or investment advice. Comments mentioned by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the view of Analytic by Design and its constituents.